All right, so for my um, AV Mix project, I'm going to be doing a podcast with a couple of friends of mine. We're going to be talking about subjects such as racism in America, equal opportunity, the road to equality, like solutions, um, or possible solutions, at least past experiences. Um, I got, you know, I got some people, including myself, who are from all different parts of the country and have seen a lot of different things. Um, role models, black or white, and how they help shape you. Um, is there a difference in, uh, you know, depending on where you grew up, different parts of the country in terms of racism? And then, you know, just kind of relating back to African-American literature and who do you like and, you know, just things like that. Hello, so I'm here with Kiki. Um, Kiki, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Uh, do you want to explain or uh, introduce yourself? Um, hello, my name's Kiki. Um, I play volleyball and am a communications major at Texas Southern University. Oh, yeah. Kiki, appreciate you uh, coming on. One of my good friends, strong uh, black women who's ready to you know, talk her stuff, so let's get right into it. Um, do you think there's racism in America? Um, yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, do you think racism is as bad as it was years ago, or do you think it's gotten better, or is it kind of being hidden? What do you think? Um, I absolutely think it's actually gotten worse. Um, but including in that, I do think hidden is a good word as well. Um, I think we've been distracted by large monumental movement, movements or moments that happened in the United States, um, for example, Obama being elected the first black president. And, you know, that was huge. And we thought that that was going to be, you know, a change in America. And look where we are now. And I feel like it's actually gotten way worse now. But it's only worse now because we saw a black man be murdered on national television. So to answer your question, I think it's gotten worse. And I think one of the reasons it has gotten worse is because it's being hidden. Okay, yeah, that's a strong point. Um, haven't really thought of it getting worse because it's hidden, but that does make sense. Um, I definitely do agree that racism is, you know, still going on in America. As someone who's not from America originally, you know, spent 13 years in Germany, uh, it's a lot different here. And I even have family out there telling me, you know, they want me to come back just because they're scared for me. Mm -hmm. My mom, she doesn't want me going outside with the hood on, you know, so... It's definitely still out there. Don't understand how people see it, but we'll move on to the next topic. I wanted to ask, you know, obviously there's racism, so I'm pretty sure I'm going to know this answer too. But in terms of equal opportunity, uh, I know that people, you know, they try to make laws for you not being able to discriminate against hiring people who don't have, like, American names. Do you think there's equal opportunity in America? Um, no, absolutely not. I mean, America is run by cisgendered white males, and so – um, the way that gentrification works and, you know, the health care and even you can include in that minimum wage. Um, there's definitely not equal opportunities considering you have multiple 
multiple black families living in extremely impoverished areas. Um, they will never have the same access as somebody else who lives elsewhere. And that goes down to years and years ago of just systemic racism where it's been difficult for minorities and people of color to even have an equal chance to get out of their situations. Yeah. Um, big thing that I wanted to, you know, bring up also kind of going hand in hand with that is, you know, asking if there's a difference in racism and equal opportunity in different parts of the country. I know you are someone, you're from Cleveland, right, originally? Yes, sir. From Cleveland, you know, did some time in Chandler, Arizona, and now you live in Houston, Texas. Uh, have you been able to tell the difference in racism and just, you know, how cultures collide in these different parts of the country? Um, yes, it's extremely different um, everywhere you go. Um, obviously, it all stems from the same uh, ignorant beliefs. But, you know, in Cleveland, um, racism is extremely prominent. But it's very different because in Cleveland, it's kind of like everybody knows that, you know, there's the white people are racist and the black people are ghetto. So they don't even mix. You know, you'll go to certain parts of Cleveland and there will be certain grocery stores you go into that you'll never see a white person in. But if you go to a different part of Cleveland, you might go to a grocery store and everybody's looking at you weird because you're the one of three black people in there. Um, out here in Houston, it's probably the most diverse place I've ever been. Um, everybody kind of mixes with everybody. And I think that's because Houston um, is one of the top leading states with um, rich or um, above average uh, African-American people. So you've got plenty of CEOs, CFOs out here who are black. So um, they've got money. So it kind of mixes a little bit different out here. And then versus Chandler, I think was probably one of the most racist areas I've ever been in. Um, and I think it's also worse in Chandler because um, the white people who do try and say they fight for us or, you know, say that they've got our back will do blatantly ignorant things just because they never learned any different. So you can definitely tell the difference in different parts of the country. Yeah, man, that's a, that's a good answer. Um, you know, I, I've been in Chicago not the worst part of Chicago, but I just know that um, everybody thinks of Chicago to be a bad place. Black-on-black -black crime is something that, you know, people who are racist, people who don't really see all sides of everything, try to bring up black-on-black -black crime for a while. You know, why, why do you care about the cops killing them when you kill yourself? I think it's things like racism or just black people having the – or poor people, but, you know, a lot of the poor pe people in inner cities are black. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they end up just killing each other because – I don't know, it's just bad environment and the situation has just been created because of the racist past. And, right. You know, it sucks because, you know, I've been in Chandler too. I, I thought Chandler was okay, but just like you said, um, I don't know, it, it, you know, you get some weird people out there. Mm -hmm. who, when it's time to step up and really dig down for your homies and be their friend and support and care about them like you say you do, they don't, they don't really do it, you know. Right. So it's weird. Um, but you said that Chandler was the most racist place you've been. Do you have – it's okay if you don't want to, um, you know, tell me. Do you have any experiences that you'd like to share? Oh, plenty. Um, I've got uh, – <laughs> um, first, I'd like – I think that I can address this. I'm not going to exactly go into detail with this, um, but there is a fetish – 
for black men and black women in America um, that's been created by white people um, that they just fetishize being with someone who's black or, you know, having that experience or whatever, um, like being friends with them, being around them, having black friends, um, black girlfriend, all of those things. Um, but they don't really care about you at all. And they will eventually bring it out. I've had experiences where they will call me, um, terrible racist things if I decide I don't want anything to do with them or you know when the Black Lives Matter movement was in heat um, a few uh, months ago in 2020 um, you know it brought a lot of true colors out of some of my what I who I called friends um, from Arizona Um, I've got plenty of experiences uh, playing volleyball in sports that I've had coaches um, in particular in high school who have said and done absolutely asinine things um, to put me in a worse position than other people on the team. And that was one of the reasons why actually my family decided to relocate to Houston um, was because we felt like there was uh, more opportunity for us all. Um, My mom had a better job opportunity out here and, you know, my dad Uh, working in the car industry, faced a lot of racist things that he had in Arizona. So he wanted something more diverse. And then here, going to school, I actually go to um, what, uh, at HBCU now. So it's just very different. And so in Arizona, especially being around more black people and more immersed in black culture down here, um, you can really step outside your shoes. And like, I can look back at some of the things that happened in Arizona which is what led me to say it's one of the most racist places I've ever been in. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just like we're talking about, you know, some friends don't want to be friends when it's time to be a friend. Mm-hmm. They're talking about uh, black fetish, you know, <laughs> I mean, we see that all the time all over the world. So Right. Wanting uh, to have mixed babies and yeah. curly hair, just wanting to be with somebody who's black, who is black because of some type of social standard that people like to meet, which is weird. It is weird. I have two interesting uh, interesting things to say about that. One, you're talking about black fetish. Um, what did I want to say? Actually, we, we're going to come back to that because I forgot. But, okay, so for me personally, I think, I don't know if I've told you this before, but I wanted to get your input on it because when I talk to some people, like, uh, I'm not going to name somebody, but someone, like, okay, I'll say my, yeah, I'm not going to name him, but he was saying that that is kind of like reverse racism, which don't really make sense to me. But the thing that I've always said is that I would like to marry a black girl because I'm proud mm-hmm. um, of whatever, you know, blackness I got. I, would, I want yeah. my kids to look the same as me. It's not that mm-hmm. my kids want if I marry a white girl, but, you know, it's important to me. Um, yeah. It's hard to be a black man. I think it's hard to be a black woman, mm-hmm. and I, I'm really proud, you know, even though I'm mixed, to be black. Right. So you, what do you think about that? Do you think that's kind of kind of uh, say when I say, you know, I want to keep my family black? Um, I think that when you first hear it, um, some people like to say that is some type of reverse racism, which let me make this very clear. There is no such thing. Um, racism is impacted by several different things that um, black people will never be in control of. Like racism is having a prejudice towards somebody and that prejudice can make a difference in that person's life. Black people, we will never have that much 
power in America because it is run by white cisgendered men um, to make a difference in white people's life. I do believe that black people can have prejudice towards white people, but it can't affect them in any way. So, um, but to go along with that, I do um, want to marry a black man um, for the purpose of my culture and to go along with what you were saying um, with everything that's going in the world right now, I think that going on in the world right now, I think that it's important to realize how important it is as a black man to have a black woman standing by your side. Um, because yes, I don't get me wrong. I do know that there are some white people out there who, you know, love with their whole heart. Um, but they just will never get it. They'll never understand your life. And then when you have kids with that person, they'll never understand your kid's life either because your kid is now black. Um, so it's just hard to have somebody like that standing by your side when you'll go through things in life that they just will not understand. Um, so that's why I want to marry a black man. I want to have somebody that, you know, if this gets even worse than it is now, I know we'll have my back a hundred percent and my kids back and, will understand and will get it, you know? Right, yeah, because they're in the same boat. So you really right. want to, you know. Yeah, that's big time. Um, when we're, I was trying to bring something up about black fetish. I don't know if this really goes along in the same category, but I've heard a lot of times people say to people I know, especially in Chandler, they'd be like, uh, oh, you don't sound black. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's one of the, the most racist things you can say if you say it how I think you say it because yes. like, what are black people supposed to sound like? You right. know what I mean? They expect, because I feel like the people who say that, they've never really been around black people. Black people come just like, you know, food, all shapes, or just all shapes and sizes and talk different, act different, you know, in right. a different. not everybody's a rapper or a hooper, you know what I'm saying? So some people, you know, they like to read books, so they, they use different words, mm-hmm. you know. So I think that's one of the uh, most disrespectful things you can say to a black person is that you don't sound black. Do you agree with that? Yes, that's totally out of line. You can't, there's no specific way that I'm supposed to talk black or not. I I talk with, and it's funny, they usually only say that to black people who talk with proper grammar. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to apologize to you because I went to school and learned how to speak properly. Um, But that in uh the you know you're cute for a black girl or um i don't know if you guys get that as often but i'm sure that there are people who say you're cute for a black guy um that's just out of line as well um that's totally i mean these are just things that i've seen white people say that a lot of times they don't even think there's something wrong with it you know like they'll say you're cute for a black girl thinking that's a compliment and it's not. It's like, no, you're singling me out and basically saying, you know, I'm not into black girls. So, you know, you're kind of cute. Like, no, I'm cute. Just say that I'm attractive or whatever, you know. But it's so – that's why Arizona is just crazy um, because these the people there will literally think that, you know, they're being a good person and whole time in their home – say the n-word around their white friends you know like that's just it's so weird to me yeah i mean it is um i don't know um we got we're covering a lot of things i'm trying to decide if i want to change it up and do a second episode 
or just keep keep it rolling, just do a long one. I think um I think we're gonna end it here and then I'll give you a call back and then we can do the second part. Is that cool? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, so I'll call you right back. All right. Okay, can you hear me? Yes. All right, so we're going to get the second episode here. So last episode, let's see, what did we talk about? We talked about racism in America, equal opportunity. Uh, I brought up something about, you know, wanting to keep my family black. You agreed, saying the same thing, but we don't think that's racism. Um, We talked about black fetish coming from white people who either want to be friends or get with, a, you know, a black person. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Okay, so we'll pick it up from there. We already talked about some past experiences. I'm not probably not really going to bring mine into it unless mm-hmm. I do an episode by myself. Okay, but I wanted to ask. Um, so the road to equality or at least getting as close as we can, do you see or do you have any solutions for America right now? Um, you know, it's hard because I think at the end of the day, it all comes down to just being a good person, like, um, not looking at people like there's something that's totally this strange creature to you. Um, I'm not sure if there's any site right now for me in my head that I could see, um, America being just this totally different place. And it's hard because, um, the position that we're in now, it's just, hard to just see like something different um so i'm not sure i necessarily have any solutions um i definitely think that there's some pretty prominent things such as um police reform and um i think raising minimum wage and um even more outreach by the u.s government to impoverished communities um there are some things that uh, a lot of people don't even notice are racism such as you know, in Chandler, Arizona, there's fast food places, don't get me wrong, but out here, there's something where there, you'll literally go down the street, and it's all fast food, Whataburger, McDonald's, KFC, everything is greasy and fried, and in my neighborhood out here in Houston, we actually don't really even have any restaurants down here to sit down and eat and have a healthy meal. And that also plays into obesity in the black community because this area is predominantly African-American. Things like that, that people don't even notice are, um, you know, we're almost being poisoned by the government to keep going on this decline. And as we're going on this decline that they're creating, um, they blame us for it. So I'm not sure there really is any solutions at this point. Hmm. Okay, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, so as you're saying that, you know, obviously I was listening, and I can't really give too many solutions because obviously I feel like if I would have figured it out, somebody else would have figured it out. Right. But for the people in power, I don't really think they're for that. You know, I love I love Obama because I feel like he's a solid dude. He's a Bears fan. Um, <laughs> Nick, come on, that's, like, that's my guy. Oh, but, no. I feel like even, you know, he's got to get through so many hoops just, mm-hmm. uh, just to get stuff done. I, I really think it's impossible at this point. Right. But 
you know, one thing that I think is really big and that I personally, you know, whether it's because I have goals of being an FBI or at least try to work in, in the inner city in some type of inner city, um, that's my career goal, um, is working with kids. And um, I really think if we were to, if we're able to, like, move more impoverished black people into the suburbs somehow, just mm-hmm. try to get them out from the gangs, get them out from poverty. I mean, you know, you can be, it's easier because I grew up pretty poor too, but I was in the city. So, you know, mm-hmm. I don't gang bang, I don't kill. That, that could be, that could be one tiny solution. That's something I thought of. Mm-hmm. But I also wanted to bring up Mormons because uh, we have a lot of Mormons in Gilbert, mm-hmm. Gilbert, Arizona. And I was talking to this one, this older black man um, when I was working a few weeks ago, and he was talking about how he um, how he lives in Utah right now. You ever been to Utah? Uh, yes. Yeah. So, so you know, I will not be visiting anytime soon. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so he was talking about how Mormons. That I'm not. This is what he was saying. You know, I don't know any of the facts. I've never studied it. Never been around it. He was saying that some Mormons out there, from what he was told by them we're taught in whatever book it is that people of color and, you know, the darker people are savages, mm-hmm. you know, which is, which is ridiculous to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that in itself is kind of, you know, belittling black people like we're animals, which is disgusting. Mm-hmm. But then even when I was there for a football game, it was like a year and a half ago, uh, we went to Ephraim. That's like, it's not, it's not Salt Lake, Salt Lake City. You know, Utah doesn't have black people at all. But mm-hmm. you know, if you get closer to the city, you might see a few. Um, but, yeah, I was down there playing my football game. After the game, we went to Walmart because I needed some lotion. And then I walked into the Walmart, and it was, like, it was, it was bad because, like I said, I'm from Germany. So Germany has a lot of um, immigrants, uh, refugees, a lot of Africans, African people in the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but if you travel out, you know, you get into some towns, some villages. I got some babies looking at me like I'm not human. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But had grown adults in Ephraim looking at me like that. Like, everywhere I went, I was in there for, like, five minutes, and I had to get out of there. I was mm-hmm. feeling uncomfortable, and I'm not, like, a scary dude, but, like, it was really kind of making me sick. Uh, I ended up checking out just one little bottle of lotion, and um, this cashier lady, she was she was super friendly with the people in front of me, you know, chatting up, making jokes. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, and, like, maybe, you know, maybe she could be cool. Mm-hmm. Get in, get out, you know, say hi. I'm always going to try to be friendly to older people because I respect my elders. Um, you know, and then it's my turn because uh, cause I'm in line. You know, I ask her how her day is going. I'm like, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and then throughout, I mean, when I'm saying that, because I'm not going to keep chirping at her, she did not look me in my eye once. She did not respond to anything. She didn't tell me the price. She didn't nothing. So literally just gave her, I think I gave her cash. She gave me my chain, took the bottle, and I left. And it was just like, Man, like, I don't even know you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. That was that was crazy to me. But um, yeah. I mean, that's one little example that I just wanted to share. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, but that's crazy, isn't it? Right. That's uh, crazy, but it's common. Yeah, exactly. Crazy but common. That's why it's a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanna I wanna switch it up because we getting kind of sad. I wanted to ask you: Do you have or who are your role models? I've met your parents. Parents are both awesome. Um. Who are your role models, and how have they helped shape you? I want to ask you about black role models. I'm sure you have very many. Mm-hmm. Um, both of my parents are definitely my role models. Um, they both, in different ways, you know, with my mom being a strong black woman um, who is working in um, 
white America. She's an executive for JP Morgan. So that is obviously predominantly um, white and being so high up, you know, she's had so many different experiences to share with me and it's helped me understand as a black woman, um, at the end of the day, we have the power to do anything and everything if we put our minds to it. Um, and the same way with my dad, um, has actually taught me what to look for in black men. Um, and, strong black men and how they work and try and achieve all of their goals for their kids. Um, all, both of them are definitely my role models. I'd say that, you know, in other places, um, Maya Angelou is one of my role models. I love her um, and her poetry and her art. And I think that is a good, also a prime example of, you know, how um, to go back to what we were talking about in the last episode um, where people, white people will say that we don't talk black. Um, I think that's a perfect example of how beautiful um, linguistics can be in the black community um, if we have access to proper, um, you know, learning, you know. So she is definitely one of my biggest role models outside of my parents. Okay, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. I think uh, role models are really important and they kind of dictate you know, what people do personally. Mm-hmm. Like when, even when I was in Germany, when I was living there, I, I didn't tell people I was from Chicago, but I was like, yeah, my family's from Chicago. Like I'm going to play for the Bears, this and that. Just off of some dudes I watched on TV. I At first, I didn't understand the language. I didn't understand the sport. But, mm-hmm. you know, they helped shape me to the man I am today. I'm 21, and I'm still trying to, you know, play football. And, you know, my knees hurt, my back hurt, but I'm still trying. Right. Uh, and, um, role models are. Um, obviously, I have my mom. She, you know, she was a single mom, had me – had me when I was very young. Uh, my bi- biological um, father, he just dipped out. Is what it is. Um, but she, she's the biggest gangster I know. And when I say gangster, you know, we talked about it. I'm pretty sure we talked about it, you know, a few months ago. When I say gangster personally, that's like, that's a compliment, man. That's, that's someone mm-hmm. who handles it. Right. So, gangster as hell. Um, and then my dad, he is a year younger than my mom. See, my parents are like 40, 41 right now. So they're young. They had me same age I am right now, and um, he stepped in. Um, eventually, they got married when I was like five, six, and he, he man, it's like it's my dad. He raised me, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So he, I got great role models. Um, you know, I look at somebody like Malcolm X. You know, I don't want to be the biggest extremist, but mm-hmm. you know, there's something in saying, you know, I am a revolutionary. You just that just makes that makes my body shiver. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am definitely a, Mar- uh, a, a Malcolm X type of girl. Not, I love Martin Luther King, don't get me wrong, but when it comes to the way that Malcolm X led a, the, rev- the revolution, um, and I just, I definitely a huge fan of him as well. Yeah, I mean, that's gangster. That's as gangster as it gets, man. He died behind the bar. You know, he stuck with his people, and that's, I, just, I feel like that's how you got to do it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we still got to do that now. Mm. Um, I think people's eyes are really going to open. I think it's going to get worse, just like we we're talking about. Um, yeah, there's really no, there's, there's really no, there's no leader. I would say. I mean, I, I look at somebody like Colin Kaepernick. Are you familiar with Colin Kaepernick? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So man, he's he's awesome, man. I love mm. him. Everybody was looking at him crazy when they took a knee, but mm. you know, you got George Floyd dying. I actually just watched a video two days ago. And, you know, um, man, it just makes you realize this dude's really, really, like, doing something to try to create some type of positive change, but people take it the wrong way because they're so blind because they've only lived their life. And that's the problem. Right. Most people 
understand what it's like to be anybody else, and they don't even try. So I don't see that changing changing anytime soon. <laughs> but the good thing is, in 200 years, 300 years, everyone's going to be mixed anyway. Mm-hmm. So, so hopefully then you won't have to deal with it. But I for sure don't want my kids to have to struggle. Right. But I'll have them struggle because they're black, you know, then, I don't know, just at least be proud of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of rambling on at the end, but do you have anything else you'd like to talk about? Um, no, I think I think that was important. I think all of the things that you and I both shared um, is a perfect example of, you know, you can't say that racism isn't real, and we've both had real-life experiences that, you know, we can't deny, which, you know, unfortunately, like I hear, um, white people just will never understand. So, you know, I think that's it. Yeah. Well, Kiki, man, you killed it. Can't wait for uh, my professor to, to hear this. It's going to be awesome. Um, thank you again. Like I said, Kiki, man, met you last summer. Um, mm-hmm. a friend of mine, and, and uh, he's really happy that I was able to get you on here. Pretty, pretty last minute, I'd say. But um, hope you had a good time, and then um, I'll give you a call later. Yep, I did. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. All right, so for my next guest, I uh, brought my longtime friend, DeAndre. DeAndre, how you doing? Good. How are you, man? Good, my brother. So I wanted to ask you uh, a few questions, but first, do you want to introduce yourself? Yep. I'm 22 years old. I'm from the suburbs outside of Chicago, Illinois. I grew up playing baseball, football, and basketball, uh, and I'm just out here uh, in Tucson, you know, visiting Justin for the week. Yeah, all right. So um, let's just, let's just get right into it. Do you think there's racism in America? Yes, um, entirely. I wouldn't <clears throat> say the whole country is racist, but certain people um, have, have those traits, and um, others have been oppressed by those traits. Yeah, that's facts. Um I, I definitely agree. Not everyone is racist. Um, but I think in terms of the question, racism in America, I think that's a no-brainer. Of course, there's some places. Um, but we all, we all have different experiences. That's why I want to ask you. Um, but, you know, a big thing we were talking about earlier was equal opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I think you and I, we've had a good, we have had a great amount of opportunity. We've talked about it. We think we can do anything possible. Yeah. Not just as, you know... Not just being competitive, but because we really feel like we've gotten a decent chance, you know. Mm-hmm. Might not have as much money as people who live in high luxury apartments, stuff like that. But that doesn't that doesn't stop us or hinder us at all. Um, what do you think about the topic of equal opportunity? Yeah, uh, you nailed it. Um, you know, growing up in uh, St. Charles, predominantly, uh, not predominantly, I would say about 95% uh, white, you know, being, uh, you can count on, both hands, how many black kids went to our high school. And um, just like being around them and, uh, you know, viewing, you know, different uh, opinions and, you know, um, their families, their backgrounds, like, like where some of them were actually millionaires and, you know, just being there, being able to see how, you know, they live. And, you know, when I played baseball, you know, traveled to New York, uh, Nebraska, you know, South Carolina, Florida, <clears throat> And most of the time, my parents couldn't drive me, so I would have to drive with my, you know, my friends, my white friends. And, um, you know, not everyone has that uh, that privilege. And uh, specifically for, like, the travel teams, you know, growing up, me and my siblings didn't have 
you know, the most, most money, um, you know, it was a couple thousand to play for certain teams. And uh, most of the time, like, I don't know, it would just get taken care of or it would, you know, we would pay like, you know, every other month, you know, type of thing. And uh, yeah, just, you know, certain areas feel like, uh, you know, some people don't have that opportunity. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I mean, going kind of going hand in hand with that. Do you have any experiences with racing that you would like to share? If not, that's fine too. Um, or at least someone that you know of, you know, close to you, a story you could tell. Uh, personally, no, you know, but my dad, um, you know, being you know black man, uh, you know, he's you know out smoking uh, cigarettes, you know, smoking cigarettes, <clears throat> and uh, like in the car, and uh, I remember the cops just like pulled up and they just stopped him. You know, for no reason. He was in his car, you know, car was off smoking a cigarette. Um, or one instance, uh, you know, my grandfa my grandfather um has a Jaguar and my grandpa my uh dad was driving it and um he got pulled over. The tags were okay, everything was okay. And then uh when they asked like why did he get pulled over, there was no explanation. It was just a black man driving, you know, a nice vehicle. They wanted to pull him over. You know, that was kinda that was odd. Um but personally, no, not that I can uh, count on. Maybe some looks here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing like, you know, that stood out that I can remember. Okay. Yeah, okay. So your, your dad just kind of, you feel like kind of been the cops not expecting him to have the car, just wondering what he's doing. Yeah, what, what he was doing, you know, in the suburbs, driving a nice car. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we lived there. Mm-hmm. We, we were living there for like 10 years. Where's your dad originally from? Um, he's originally from uh, Michigan City, um, Indiana. Okay. You know he was in a, he was in the army. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was raised in Ger- uh, I was born in Germany. My parents met in Germany. Um, and so yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay. Um, yeah, and to go kind of to go hand in hand with your story, like I I lived in, you know, we lived in the same spot just for a few years, and then I ended up moving to um. Arizona, Chandler, Arizona. Um, you haven't had, you know, you've been in Chandler a little bit. You've been in Gilbert, you know, here and there. Um, it's, I think it's a good amount different, but in terms of the cops, I, I try, you know, I'm someone who's pursuing a law degree and I'm trying to at least do my part to try to make, you know, the world a little bit better. You know, I'm big on no drugs, this and that. So I'm not a person I'll ever purposely down the cops if I didn't feel like they're doing wrong. Um, from my personal experiences, because I have a good amount of things that I could say, you know, I'm not equal to other people because of this. I think, you know, I would say since I've moved here, because I started driving in Chicago, but then, you know, I was barely driving. I've gotten pulled over probably, you know, if I give you a rough, rough estimate, around 20 times. Um, I know, and it sounds, really? ridic- it sounds ridiculous, yeah. 20 I got times? pulled over about five in Chandler, Gilbert, really? Mesa, Phoenix. What? Yeah, so I've gotten pulled over around 20 times in my life. Um, it was three times in a month last summer. It was kind of getting ridiculous. Sometimes my fault. I have one speeding ticket, or now two. <laughs> you know, not going, not, not criminally speeding, but 10, 15 above. You know, it happens, and I got an HOV lane ticket. But the one thing that kind of sticks out to me, which I don't really understand too much, not saying it's racial profiling, but, you know, I don't feel like it would happen to everybody else. Um, I was with my, um, I was with a friend. We were at a stop sign, and this cop pulls up next to us. 
Um, at the time, I had a car with clear windows. Um, and, you know, you know, you hear the stories and everything. Personally, I look to my left, and I see a cop. I'm like, oh, snap. Like, let me turn the music down a little bit. And, you know, let me just act civil. Uh, just act chill. You know, not pay too much. Just act normal. As normal as possible because I'm not trying to get pulled over, you know. Um, and then so we started driving because we had a red light. We started driving about, i say, maybe 50 yards after the, the, the light. He pulls me over, gets behind me, pulls me over. Um, and then he ends up walking up to the car and he tells me he pulled me over. Well, first, obviously, you know, he asked me, you know, how you doing, whatever, being nice. And then this is something we talked about earlier, too, is like we always put our hands on the wheel, try to be respectful, try not to be yeah. put in a bad situation. Because they got a hard job, too. You know, I feel like that's just how everyone's got to do it. But then he ended up telling me that he pulled me over because he couldn't find my tags or he couldn't find my license plate in the system, um, which doesn't make any sense because we've had that license plate since we moved here. And that's never been a problem because it's my dad's car that I was using. Um, and he was making some type of excuse. I forgot what he said. But then I was thinking like, okay, you know, maybe you couldn't find it. But it, how come that's never happened to... I've never really heard of that. And at the time I was wearing a do-rag. You know, even my dad tells me he doesn't think I should wear a do-rag when I'm driving. Because a lot of people, they don't really know what that is. They think, you know, some people think it's a shower cap, swim cap. Like you know, they think thug it's... Thug activity. <laughs> thug activity. Nah, man, I just yeah, want to lay my hair down. Wear it. Yeah. yeah, right. But it's just something like that. You know, nothing crazy. Um, I have had a, a, a officer. But that's but that's sad though that we can't even wear that while driving. Right. You can't even wear a do rag, you know, for your hair. Right. Yeah, that I mean it's, it's really sad. But then uh, another experience, you know, Kyle, my friend and I, we were outside hanging hanging with some people. We were I think we had a foot race down the street, and then this cop like almost drove us over on purpose to get us to stop. Got out the car with his hand on his gun, tells us to get on the ground. What? Um. Yeah, this was in Gilbert. Um. Uh, what, what did he say? He was saying something about someone was uh, trying to, trying to, something about, someone had called some type of complaint and he had assumed it was us. And we didn't do anything and nothing bad ended up happening. But like, you know, if we didn't react, maybe if we would resist a little bit, he had his hand on his gun, anything could have happened. And that doesn't only play into race, but I feel like cops in general, you know, whether they're nervous or they're put in hard situations, like one, I do one thing wrong, I feel like, you know, everything could change. So... You know, there's a little bit of just a few of my experiences. Um, I think that's enough for the first uh, for this part. Uh, we're going to section it off and then we're going to talk about some different things. All right. For the second part with DeAndre, um, I just want to ask you uh, in terms of the road to equality. Do you see any short or long term solutions towards racism or inequality? You know, personally, um, yeah, I think there are some solutions. You know, a lot of people are negative, like uh, saying um, you know, there's, I don't see a solution, but personally, I think, you know, us as black people, we have to come together first before, you know, it's sad to say before the, you know, white officers, you know, or majority of those races take us seriously because the first thing they say is, oh, well, you guys are killing each other and all the time, which is true. And, you know, no one's marching in the street. You know, there are some marches, you know, like stop the violence and stuff, but not as much as when a cop kills a black person. So first, I think for a solution, um, you know, us as black people as a whole have to come together and stop killing each other. And then, you know, we work on our community first and then we can start, you know, marching and 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 I feel the uh, people in authority will actually, you know, take us serious. 
because we have taken, you know, our community serious. Okay, yeah, that's a good take. I 100% agree that we need to fix that. But in my, you know, in my opinion, I feel like um, I'm not going to get too deep into it because I want to talk about other things too. But I feel like you can't always blame the white man. You can't always blame other people. You got to, you know, step up and do the right thing by yourself. But we talked about it earlier. You know, there are some shootings down here. Um, we're not from the south side of Chicago. We're not from the, the um, we're not from, what do I want to say? The projects, but I feel like if you and I were in that situation, if you see that type of stuff that happened yesterday happening, would you carry a gun? You know what I mean? If you couldn't get a job, would you? So it's all kind of a cycle, and I think poverty creates um, violence, just in my opinion. But but yeah, let's see what else we want to talk. Okay, so let's 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 try to flip the mood a little bit. Do you have? Um, oh no no, this is what I wanted to ask. So in terms of Chicago, since we're um, talking about it, and you know, Chicago has one of the highest crime rates in all of America, probably all of the world. Yeah. Do you have any solutions or, you know, any ideas that could try to help stop that right now? Help stop the violence in Chicago, or just like any major cities that have you know a lot of black on black you know activity. Mm-hmm. Um, now that's tough mm-hmm. because you know it's the product of your environment. So. Uh, if a kid who's 12 or 13 walking to school and he's hearing and he's knowing people who have died and he goes and purchases an illegal gun and it's not because he's out to kill someone, it's just because for protection. So, mm, solution? Now that's, yeah, that's tough. I, you could say jobs, it's not money because if you, you can give someone a million dollars, but if they don't know how to spend it wisely, it's nothing. It's nothing. So, I'm not, I wouldn't say jobs, I'm not going to say money. Um, yeah, yeah I, I just feel like, you know, the leaders, um, you know, black leaders that people respect would have to come together and find a solution for, uh, you know, the high crime, uh, high black on black crimes um, in certain cities. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. It's probably, man, that's probably the toughest yeah. obstacle to handle. You know, I think there's obvious or somewhat obvious answers like education. I think education is big, but that does, it's not that easy to, to provide everybody education. And I don't, you know, it might not be that realistic. You know, who wants to teach there? Who wants to be in that environment? And are they going to want to learn? Um, another thing I was thinking about and I was talking to Kiki about this was if you can try somehow to move, to just spread up um, all the people who live in these projects, live in these bad inner cities into the suburbs, you know, just spread them out more. Um, in my opinion, um, like we said, product of our environment, if you're not around that environment, just like we said, things, things what ha- when, we, when I go to parties in Chandler, people shoot dice, people have guns, but it's not that bad out there because they're away from that, okay? Yeah. You can't, you can take him out the hood, you might not be able to take the hood out of him, but at least he's not around everybody else who's like that. In my mm-hmm. opinion, I feel like, you know, that's something we could dabble in. What do you so, think? So moving certain people from the city to the suburbs? Yeah, just trying to just give them like a little plan, like if if anything, like maybe you know a handful of you know of kids say like uh, a hand. I would say there would have to be some type of not saying test they would have to pass or anything like that, but you can't just take you know let's say how many people would you say oh let's move them to the city to the suburbs, like a hundred, two hundred, or like a 
No, I think more than people. I mean, there's a lot of suburbs around the world. Well, that's true. I mean, if we're going to pay for people's, you know, there's welfare, if we're going to pay for people's housing, why not do that in a better location? Okay. Okay, I see, I see what you're saying. But then also, that can also stir up some drama. Because the people, specifically, like I know, like friends and people move to the suburbs because they don't want to be around, you know, some black people or they don't want to be around violence. And so when they see these certain people moving into their area, those people get up and leave or they cause a commotion or they have a problem with this person. And so then basically the sub suburban uh, citizens, like citizens, we could say, end up moving out and then it just turns into the, you know, urban again. Mm -hmm. So, and then also, like you said, you can't take the, um, the hood out of someone or yeah, something like yeah, that. you know, something like that. But also, now that person coming from a hostile environment, he comes out here, you know, there's used to, you know, robbing, steal, uh, robbing, uh, doing certain things, illegal activity. He comes out here, he can see it as an opportunity, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's like, oh, it's a lot of, it's it's sweet, you know? It's a lot of, uh, you know, it's not as bad. I'm, I'm the toughest guy around here now, so he could, you know, start using that to his advantage if he wanted to, yeah. you know, so yeah, it's a double-edged sword, for sure. Okay. Yeah, well, in my opinion, I could be wrong, but I feel like the minority of people who live in inner cities are actually bad. Like I said, I, feel, I strongly feel like a product of my environment is something that's real. Um, and then when I talk about moving people to the suburbs, I'm not talking about 5K to St. Charles. I'm talking about 100, you know, something like that. You can spread that around. A hundred black people is not gonna hurt the rich, you know, the the suburban person, mm-hmm. in my opinion. You not you can't be that scared because, I don't know. If everybody really cares about change, I feel like that's something that you could do. They're not gonna they're not gonna bother you if you want to do a, a background check. That's okay. How about you move the the people who haven't done anything bad yet? Because not everyone that, has yeah, done anything bad. That would okay. I I would be in support of that. But like you can also understand. Yes, you you might not say, you know, everyone is not racist, but everyone like. Everyone has a stereotype or like has preconceived notions about someone. So I know certain folks might not say like um, a lot of the friends back home, a lot of white friends. Oh, you're the only black friend I have. Not because, you know, they, uh, you know, they, uh, yeah, I don't know. They say that a lot. So maybe it's because, you know, you know, I grew up around them. So I know, you know, what to say, how to say things and, you know, just act around them. But. Some, some some people are like closeted racist, you would say. Mm-hmm. So once they see like even a hundred, once they just see like some weird activity in their neighborhoods, they could yes, I could see some uh, dramas start. Yeah. yeah. No, I I definitely agree, but it's just an idea of mine that I was thinking about. Okay. Um. So role models. Uh, who are your role models? How have they helped shape you as a person? Um. A big role model. Um, I have him tatted. Uh, it's Kanye West. You know, he's a lot of in the in the uh, you know most recent years. Um, you know, a lot of he's been doing a lot of you know crazy things. But you know, it's just a guy. Um, you know, believes in God and he he has some innovative um, ideas and so and just the mentality that you you know you can do anything you want um, when people um, you know frown upon you or. Don't believe in you, you know. You just gotta believe in yourself. Um, that's one, and um, you can also say, 
Uh, we say, you know, I like LeBron. LeBron James. He's a, he's a stand-up guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, he does a lot of stuff in the community. You know, he's outspoken. Yeah. Okay, so... Was it supposed to be someone, like, personal? Like, my grandpa? No, just I mean, no disrespect to my grandpa. Grand- my dad is mean, you know, good guys. <laughs> but it's just like... Yeah. No, I think that's good because, I mean, I went with my parents. Kiki went with her parents, and then we also went with other people. So it's good to get Kanye out there. I know you said he is your undis- undisputedly uh, favorite black or yeah, just in general, in general leader yeah. of all time. Um, you brought up LeBron. I want to ask because I just read some today talking about how Donald Trump said that LeBron is racist. Um, so LeBron has done a lot of things um, to try to try to do, you know, because we compare Michael Jordan and LeBron all the time. Obviously, I'm a big MJ guy. You're a LeBron guy in terms of who's the better basketball player. But uh, as a person, I love LeBron. That's someone who I would think would be awesome if he was president, for example, if he got the knowledge up on how to run a country because he comes from nothing. You know, he's on top of the world. And I really think, like, his opinion matters. But he gets called out for a lot of people. And, you know, you'll have people telling him to shut up and dribble. And I don't think that's really fair because... People don't understand, you know, athletes are smart. You know, not everybody who's 6'8 and 250 and can windmill is dumb, and that's all he does. So yeah. um, do, you th- do you look at LeBron in terms of just athletic, you know, a role model in terms of his athleticism or also uh, things he says to try to stand up for his people? Um, I would say both. And also his business, uh, you know, mindset. Like uh, he put, um, you know, like, Two of his, I know, Maverick Carter and I think another one of his childhood friends. Um, now they're multimillionaires. So, you know, he puts people in certain positions. You know, what's the saying? Um, you can teach a man to drink. Um, you can bring a horse to water. You can water. bring a horse to water, but you can't give him a drink. Yeah. Um, so he puts people in certain positions. The right people, you know, gives him the uh, platform. And, uh, yeah, he's outspoken. Um, uh, sometimes, you know, it could be a little too much. Just like, you know, black power, not saying that's bad, but, you know, when it's being shoved down, let's say that's coming from, from a white person, it's being shoved down your throat, like black power, black power, they might not understand, like, oh, why can't I say white power? Mm-hmm. Because of what happened in the past, obviously, like, you should not be saying white power. But I'm saying sometimes us, you know, black power, BLM, it could get sometimes overwhelming. It could, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And so that's why I could see how Donald Trump could call him racist because Donald Trump does not understand where he's coming from, though. Mm-hmm. And also with the BLM movement, I think a lot of this with, like, the Blue Lives, um, Blue Lives Matter and All Lives Matter, if they just put, like, Black Lives Matter 2 at the end of it, like, for inclusion, I think a lot of this, like I said, Blue Lives and All Lives wouldn't even be a thing because some people are ignorant and they're trying to, oh, they're like, oh, well... You guys are saying black lives matter like you guys are the best like no that's not the thing it's just inclusion mm-hmm. so if they would have put the two after it everything would have been really smooth yeah that's a great point man i've thought about that a little bit but now that you say it that's really how would you combat uh, combat that uh, yeah blue lives matter too also like no yeah so i think that approach would have definitely been big and we were talking about the other day you know i think the idea of black lives matter personally is awesome but that's not always, it's not, things are not always what they seem. You know, we talked about that a little bit. But what I try to explain to, um, I try to explain it to one of my white friends in terms of what Black Lives Matter to me is, 
you know, if you have two people, um, you know, I got I got multiple analogies. I do. I have two analogies. If you have two people, um, just on the road, one of them gets shot, right? Um, and then you know, if there's a third person comes by. He's like, call the ambulance. My, you know, this guy's just been shot. And then the other person like, why don't I need an ambulance? It's like, cause you haven't been shot. You know, focus on the person who is at need, who needs help, not because he matters more than you, but because he needs attention. Another thing would be uh, in terms of equal opportunity is if you're playing Monopoly and you have four players playing for multiple rounds, you add in a, a fifth piece, a black piece, um, and they're playing, given the same, you know, you can land on as many houses, whatever's open, you could do whatever you want. You know, here's, you have access to money. That doesn't mean there's equal opportunity just because everything's free. But if people get a head start, if, you know, if other people get a head start, um, then you're automatically behind. And that's why I feel there's not equal opportunity. You understand what I'm saying? Those are two analogies that I've kind of, okay. kind of used. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Facts. Um, yeah, and then uh, another question I had here, is there a difference, um, you know, in racism in different parts of the country? You ever been to other places that you've seen any weird stuff happen? Um, I know you've been to Chicago. I know you've been here, you know, traveled for sports. Uh, you know, uh, maybe like Tennessee, you know, down south, just uh, the Bible Bane uh, state. Uh, the Bible, what's it called? Bible Bell. So, you know, one of those. Um, you know, a lot more Confederate flag and stuff like that. You know, it really didn't bother me, but I could see how it could bother certain people. Um, oh, and then also like in Indiana, when my grad, my dad grew up, uh, that's where the Klan, uh, Ku Klux Klan originated. And, you know, he was saying, you know, especially like in the early 80s, you know, early, yeah, just like in the 80s and 90s, not like lynchings, but just like <clears throat> that the vibe and the stigma was like still still a thing, you know, so mm -hmm. you just had to be careful out in like the back streets and, you know, you know, can't make a wrong left turn, wrong, uh, wrong right turn. Um, but that's pretty much it. Yeah, and that's crazy how, because um, we were both born in the 90s, so it's kind of crazy how recent that is. A lot of people forget Malcolm X, you know, my favorite. I'm, I know you like Malcolm X too. Yeah, oh yeah, I forgot to add Malcolm X oh, yeah. um, yeah. as a role model. That's the guy right there. Um, that's what, what we had, like 60 years ago? Man, your parents, your grandparents lived in that age. Um, my grandparents lived in that age. So I don't think we're as far removed as people think we are, but... Mm. Uh, other than everything we talked about, you got anything else you want to talk about? Um, you go, you go rant, you know. Whatever uh, yeah, you want to say. actually, this is a a, a black um, African American studies class, right? Yeah, African American literature. Literature. Yeah, I just feel you know, as as black people, first we need to come together, um, and we we have to stop not saying uh, we have to stop blaming, like I said, blaming the white man for certain things that we couldn't do. Yes, I understand there were obstacles put in front of us, um, but as a collective, we just need to come together. Uh, and then also, when it comes to you know the media and I just just do your research, just do your research. Like, um, for instance, like if you see a headline like "Oh, police killed another black per like black man," just don't you know hop on the socials and get to just you know trying to. Um, go off on the police, just like, you know, do your research. Like, say, say for instance, um, you know, the, the black man that the cop killed actually, like, was charging at him, you know? Just just do your research before, uh, um, you know, you put anything out or, you know, when you talk to people. <coughs> just come with facts. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty much it, man. Yeah, that's for sure. We all need to be educated. A big thing my mom 
has said to me um, when we're talking about this is that she felt the same way with her parents is that the younger generation kind of know what's better because, you know, we're more involved in everything that's going on than people older. So we're going to a lot of things are going to be different right now than or in the future than they are right now. And in terms of what you said about police officers, I personally feel like if their life's not in, in danger, um, you know, it's not really their job to kill. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like it sucks that we're scared. Not everybody's scared, but, you know, I'm not 100% scared, but I still get really nervous if I get pulled over, if I'm around cops. But, um, you know, either way, I, I do respect them. Um, but, that, but, that's, but that's the thing, though. If, you know, when I, I got pulled over um, like a month ago, and I wasn't, you know, too scared because, you know, as long as not saying they have the right to kill you or, you know, to mess with you. But as long as, like, I don't believe there's just cops out here just killing black people just for the fun of it. Mm-hmm. Like, as long as you're respectful, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Um, you know, you ask before you reach for your license or to get your um, insurance. <clears throat> and you just, like, respect. You're not, like, the, the car doesn't, you know, smell like weed or... You know, or doesn't smell like alcohol, or you're just, you know, you're just being, you know, compliant and everything. I think things would, you know, go a lot more smoothly. And the fear um, of, oh, there's a cop behind me, and the stigma of like a person being scared, um, will go would go away. Yeah, that's true. And we both talked about it. We we try to, you know, not even give them any type of reason to to trip out. And I don't. I also don't feel like. Cops really, really are are mean to um, kill black people, but I do think at times they mean to kind of you oh, know, egg, egg them on a yeah. little bit, and then you never know how. Some people don't take that, you know. Yeah. Some people don't take that, you know. And if I were ever in a bad situation, I've never been in a horrible situation. I feel like I'll just be like, whatever, man, do whatever you want. But not everyone's like that. Yeah. Um, and then you know I've seen videos, black and white. This is just going to cops in general. Where you tell them to, you know, it, it's hard to act under pressure when you have a gun pointed at you. You know, you oh, don't, yeah. you know, especially when they're loaded and you got eight, you know, AK, whatever, you got any type of gun. So it's always hard. But hopefully, as a country, because America is a great country, mm-hmm. um, we can start to figure it out, and uh, maybe not make it great again, but make it great in general. You know, but um, DeAndre, thank you. Yep.